This is episode 726 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On this episode, Women Who Prep, Homesteading, and What Comes Next with Lori Neverman. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is usually an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website. But from time to time, I interview members of the preparedness community who can bring a ton of value and information to your preparedness. Links for this podcast can be found in the show notes or on the prepperwebsitepodcast.com. Hey, are you looking to up your preparedness knowledge? Now, don't spend time bouncing around the internet for the best preparedness content. Instead, sign up for the top 10 preparedness articles and get them right in your email. For $5 a month, you can get the top 10 articles from Prepper Website sent to your email weekly. You can choose to read them or drop them in the Pocket app and have them read to you as you go about your day. The Buy Me a Coffee link to the top 10 are in the show notes. But even if you're not wanting to get the top 10, you should still visit my link and see what I'm doing over there. I'm using Buy Me a Coffee as my social media and connecting with listeners there. All right, before we jump into the episode, I want to just give a quick shout out to Apple10641. Apple left a review on Apple Podcasts and said, excellent topics with informative guests, plus a pinch of faith added in. Thanks for a great podcast. Apple, I greatly appreciate your five-star review on that one and uh, the information that you left there. Kind words. Listen, guys, when you leave a review, it's a great blessing for me. And it also helps other people who are looking for preparedness podcast or maybe even looking for a brand new podcast kind of understand what it is and what they're going to uh, to receive and and what they're going to listen to so i greatly appreciate it whether you are on uh, apple or you're using itunes or apple podcast or whatever the name is now or you're using spotify or you're using any of the other places networks where we have the podcast i greatly appreciate your reviews and and leaving uh, reviews there for other people to to pay attention to I want to give another quick shout out to my listeners in the Philippines and also in Denmark. I greatly appreciate your listenership all the way over there. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on the podcast. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our episode. Uh, I was able to interview uh, a friend in the preparedness community, Lori Neverman, who runs uh, commonsensehome.com. And uh, we've had her on the podcast before. I'm actually going to link to the previous podcast if you want to go check that out and, uh, and, and listen to that episode. But on this one, I wanted to specifically talk to her about women and women in preparedness and then her thoughts on that uh, because she's been homesteading for a long time and has a great uh, just just great knowledge about it. I wanted to ask her specific questions and then those who are interested in maybe moving to uh, a homesteading type lifestyle, what they need to be thinking about. And then at the very end, we talk about what we think or what she thinks is in store for the rest of the year, 2022. And so it's a great podcast, a lot of great information. So I'm I'm grateful for her time that she spent with us to be able to record this. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our interview with Lori Neverman. Hey, Lori, welcome to the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, good to see you again, Todd. It's good to be with you. Hey, what have you been up to since the last time we talked? I think it was April 2020. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, 
like a lot of people, we've been kind of stuck in limbo with some things. We had a few building projects planned, but the cost of materials is so sky high that they've been delayed. But come hell or high water, we're going to get some of it done this year. Um, been looking for alternative material sources, trying to keep the price down. And um, I think we figured some things out. Like we need more space for the chickens because last year we actually ended up raising over 50 meat birds, which you know, fill the freezer. We got another freezer. <laughs> so, um, cause we typically buy beef in the half or quarter, uh, from a friend of ours who does full grass fed and he's been breeding a stock for a couple decades and got a real good line. But this year we took, or well, this past year, I should say, we took a bigger step and we actually invested in a chicken plucker and did two big batches of birds all on our own. And so we could use more coop space because our original coop space was just set up for a laying flock. So it gets a little interesting juggling the birds. Expanded the garden, big thing. Um, and we canned and preserved, freeze-dried, dehydrated, root cellared so much stuff last year that... Uh, try to push ourselves to really see how far we could go and very happy with the results. Even though it was a weird growing season, we had oddball temperature swings and moisture swings like a lot of the country. But as we've been working on our soil, that healthy soil can make up for a lot. And so we did definitely see an increase in production and our perennial plantings are finally starting to mature. Things we put in years ago are finally starting to fruit. Like we actually had goji berries for the first year and more service berries, more oddball stuff, gooseberries, uh, has caps, different things, apples, and it's just getting started, but it'll be putting us in a different position. Now we're eyeing up. We've got this land that was uh, torn up and, where we excavated from the pond and now that's starting to come up in kind of brushy trees, a lot of poplars, volunteers. So we're looking at um, pollarding those to basically turn them into lollipop trees so that we can harvest them for small diameter firewood. You know, typically same old, same old, right? Trying to be more self-reliant. <laughs> well, it, it sounds like you're headed in the, in the right direction. You know, at the beginning there, when you were talking about all the you know, the, the, the chickens and all the, the gardening is sounds like you're really boosting up your food production uh, for a reason. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit yep. later on. Yep, but yep. Uh, everybody that can do that, I think is, is doing that. Yeah. So, if, if they're watching uh, what's going on, I think they should be. Definitely. Well, I wanted to have you on for a couple of different reasons. I want to talk about women in preparedness and then also homesteading because uh, you live the life. Uh, I know people in my emo group who are transitioning more to like a homesteading lifestyle. People are always looking into that. And so we'll, uh, we'll cover a lot of that today, hopefully. And uh, from someone who is actually doing it, I think that's really, really important. But first of all, I, I want to talk about women in preparedness because I do have a lot of women who are connected to the podcast and connected to the emo group. I see them on, although I'm, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook, I do approve the people that are in the Facebook group uh, that, that are joining. There's a lot of women. There's a lot of women who are interested. So I really wanted to focus on this. Um, so here, here's my first question. You know, preparedness is, and survival has traditionally been more of a guy thing. But in the last few years, like I've mentioned, I've seen the amount of women who are interested in preparing increase significantly. So is that your experience too with running 
your Facebook presence and your definitely your website uh, that that gets a lot of traffic. Uh, is that your experience? And why do you think so? If if it is. Well, historically, looking at the traffic on my site, I've actually always leaned slightly towards women, but I do get a lot of guys too. When I first started out, it was more of the standard old style blog, uh, more look a little bit of a mom blog. And then it's just transitioned more into full-fledged homesteading, preparedness, herbalism, all the different skills and uh, lifestyle rather than mommy blog. So that has kind of shifted our demographic a little bit, but I think women have always been a part of the preparedness movement, but maybe not the uh, flashy showy part of it. There's always been, you know, someone, mom coming up, well, who takes care? Like who do people turn to when they're sick? Generally it's mom, not dad, no offense, dad, but you know, mom's there with the, the hot tea, the compress on the forehead, the, the different, Oh, let's try this. And, you know, I'll make up some warm soup. Moms, women have always played a role in food production, you know, the gardens and heck, if you know any farmers, I know they're, they're not many of the population now, but farm wives have always been there in the thick of things right alongside the, the farm husbands or, you know, female farmers. That is another growing movement too, right along with the female prepper movement. Women are most in general drawn to nurture and to keep the home. And that is a huge part of what preparedness is, you know, taking care of those you love. So I think it really, they might be showing up more, but I think they've always been there just taking care of things, getting stuff done. It's just becoming a little more obvious now as they maybe look into some of the areas that they haven't reached into as much before. Yeah. So I, I would admit, you know, my, my website, uh, prepper website, and then the podcast haven't been completely focused on homesteading. Like, like, you know, like you said, your, your website is more geared and I would say the women would be more attracted to those types of articles. So I guess that's one reason why I'm seeing more though. Do you think there's more, maybe not necessarily geared to homesteading that are seeing some of the things around us and realizing, you know what, because I do have that nurturing heart, that nurturing uh, spirit on the inside of me, that I am, I want to take care of my family and preparedness, being more self-reliant is a way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite trilogies, well, book trilogies, movie trilogies, Lord of the Rings. And um, where they were talking, there was Arwen and she was practicing with her sword. And she, she says that, you know, the women long ago learned that uh, even those who don't wield the sword can still buy, die by them. So I think people are looking at what's going on and they just want to be prepared, want to take care of themselves and their families, no matter what's coming. And I think things are going to get um, a little more restless, shall we say, than they've been for a long time. So yeah, it, it's just a good idea. I, I, I completely agree with you. So we do have, you know, the listeners to the podcast range from all different spectrums of preparedness. So I have some that have been prepping for 10, 20, 30 years. Some people have emailed me, Tata, I've been prepping all my life. And then I get a lot of new people into preparedness because they see the things around them and they realize, hey, I, I need to, 
know, they start doing some research on, on the internet or whatever, and they realize, you know what, the, the, the prepper community might have some answers that I I'm, need to get into. So we have a lot of new listeners to the, to who are new to preparedness on the podcast. What would you say specifically to women who are new to prepping? Cover your basics first, food, water, shelter, have whatever reasonable storage you can keep on hand. Even if you're in an apartment, you can still find oddball places to stash stuff. I have an article on that, just finding room for your preparedness stockpile, but focus on things that you know you will absolutely need and use first and a lot of people, friends, I keep seeing friends with the weather situation in the eastern half of the U.S. at the moment. Folks are without power for several days. So what would you do if there's a power outage? What are you going to do if it's an extended power outage? Do you have a way to keep warm? You know, Do you have some alternative heating source? Just look into the basics. And another big thing I think is really important that's often skipped over is personal health. Uh, we have been in a very, I'll call it interesting situation with healthcare. And stats have come out for last year, 2021. And the death rate for people in the prime of their life was up 40% last year. We've got a health crisis. We've also got a mental health crisis. Start looking at what you can do to take care of yourself. There are so many things that you don't have to rely on pharmaceuticals for. I've got a lot of home remedy stuff on the site. That's a really simple thing to start with. You know, if you can find it in your garden, if you can find it something over the counter, like Epsom salt is wonderful for headaches, sore muscles, different things. You can use it in different ways. Mint tea, stomach soother. You don't have to hit the Pepto or, or something else. You don't have to hit the acid blockers. You might actually be able to drink some pickle juice and settle your stomach. There's so many simple remedies. The more that you can do to strengthen yourself and improve your health, the better off you'll be no matter what happens, whether we get in something bad or life gets better. It's just a, an excellent place to start. I agree with you. I think that we really need to be taking more of a role in, um, you know, exercising and losing weight. Uh, I know that that's something that I've been focusing on here at the beginning of the year. And I've got some goals that, that I want to make sure that I hit. Um, we live a very sedentary life. At least I do. Uh, I know you've got your homestead, so you're out there. Well, you, it, it's always... better not in the winter, but this time of year, yeah, we tend to stand more inside too. So well, and, you know, being aware of that, I mean, that as you, as you get older, you know, you start feeling, oh, yeah. you know, the, the muscle aches and all those kinds of things. And, <laughs> and the yep. more you can just stay limber, the more you, you can stay Keep you can moving. Because <laughs> if you don't move, then you can't move. <laughs> that's, that's definitely part of it. Definitely part of it. Um, as a woman in preparedness and homesteading and living the self-reliant lifestyle, were you and your husband always on the same page with, uh, with preparedness? Thankfully, I am lucky enough to be married to my best friend. So we don't see eye to eye on absolutely everything, but our skill sets complement each other. So we've been very blessed in that regard. 
And so it's actually, we have enough in common that we can move forward in the same direction, but we have, our approaches are different enough that sometimes one person will be able to come up with a solution to something the other person is having troubles with. So it, it works really well for us. So when you were, when y'all were getting into, I mean, is preparedness a, a way of lifestyle for y'all from growing up or was it something that you got into, you know, later on you realize, Hey, this world is crazy. We need to rely on ourselves a little bit more. And it w- was, did one of y'all get there first? Well, Again, it's sort of different backgrounds, uh, different perspectives, but there were preparedness elements to both of our childhoods. My husband's parents, they had a specific cabinet in the house where they kept the basic emergency stuff. Um, They even had a Geiger counter because he worked with the power company and at the nuke plant. So (laughs) things like that. We we still have grandpa's Geiger counter, you know, family heirloom, but um, So they had the cabinet where they kept extra blankets and uh, candles and different things. So they had the stash that was just the simple things for power outages, that kind of thing. Uh, My family, because we lived on a farm and, well, we're dirt poor, pretty much. We always food storage, big garden every single year. We just tended to raise most of our own food. We know we we raised ducks, we raised chickens, we raised geese, sometimes turkeys, and we butchered every fall. So food storage was more our thing and food production. So the, the two skill sets or the two backgrounds, again, kind of come together and nicely complement each other. That, that makes a lot of sense. And so y'all, y'all definitely could see eye to eye the need for preparedness, uh, just coming from different perspectives. That's, that's a real blessing that a lot of people don't have. So what advice would you give to women out there who see the need to prepare, but their husbands or significant others think that they're being emotional or just scared from all the media hype? Well, there's an article I could get you a link to. It's about the odds of, frankly, bad things happening. We have been in a blessedly calm situation for a long time. But historically speaking, if you look at the statistics, that's not normal, unfortunately. But uh, someone who's adamantly opposed to it might not care. They're just, well, it's been this way. Things aren't going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Okay, so you accept that and say, well, maybe maybe no- nothing big's going to happen. But little things always happen. There's job losses. There's power outages. There's bad weather. So start preparing for the things that you know are going to happen. Look at food prices and inflation. I have yet to see food prices come down significantly. And this last year, holy smokes, did they go up. So start with the low-hanging fruit, the stuff that you know you're going to use, the stuff that you can do double duty. Like if you like, if you actually go camping, okay, your camping gear can also double as preparedness gear. Your, you can do um, gear packs for your vehicles, uh, basic first aid kits, uh, some road flares, some things like this. We have a, and I'm sure you have plenty of information on your site too, just a basic roadside kit that you can keep in your vehicles. Start with the, the simple stuff and then 
maybe as they see that, oh, the power goes out, but look, the spouse has candles for light. The spouse has blankets for extra warmth. The spouse has backup heat lined up. Oh, well, maybe that's not such a bad idea after all. And hopefully you can win them over and, you know, move forward more easily together. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. You know, when, when at the very beginning, you talked about the basics, right? The food, the water, the shelter, all those different kinds of things. Um, not trying to sound sexist, you know, but most women do the shopping. Now, in my family, I do the shopping back because when we ran the group home, we had a whole b- bunch of girls in our group home and Todd needed a break. So I would go, <laughs> my, my, my break would be going off to the, to the grocery store doing the shopping. But, uh, you know, you can do those things. You can build up your food storage uh, without really even calling a whole lot of attention to it just by so- slowly uh, stocking up and, and different yeah, things. Shop like the that. sales. Shop the sales and, and be smart about it and, uh, and, and move forward. I just think, you know, sometimes the approach, um, the way that you, you bring that about, if you if you're just so worried and so scared, I think that's one of the things about that I've learned throughout the years. Early on, I think a lot of people get into preparedness because of fear, and then as you start to mature, you start to realize, you know, the world is uh, there's that. You brought up Lord of the Rings. I always bring up the the part in Men in Black where the the world is always ending, right? There's always yeah, some kind of always. world ending event that's about to happen, and and people are oblivious to it. But in the preparedness community. There's always some kind of thing that's that's winding up happening, you know, and and it never happens. But uh, once you get past all that fear and you're able to start truly planning your preparedness and and, and moving forward in in that uh, realm. So for women who are new to preparedness or those who don't consider themselves too far along in the journey, what areas would you suggest that they focus on that would give them the most bang for their buck? I know that we talked about food and water and, and, and those basics, what other things would you recommend? Yeah, I do think that the the food is a big one right now because of the inflation rates we're seeing. So whether it's stocking your pantry or maybe getting involved with um, growing your own garden or connecting to local producers so that you can buy in bulk, that could potentially be a really big money saver. And it's something that I think everyone can identify with because we all have to eat and the fitness thing. Um, again, the, the better you take care of yourself, the more able you're, you will be to deal with when something comes up and something always comes up and the home remedies, health stuff. I mean, prescription medication prices, holy smokes. Again, they just keep creeping up, not going down. And I have friends, and I've done it myself too, who have with time over time, you know, and uh, working with a healthcare provider or doing a lot of research, have weaned themselves off of different prescription medications. And it's not easy, but it can be done in most cases. So anything you can do that gets back to that whole self-reliance thing. If there's something that you can change in your lifestyle, change in your eating habits, change in your supplements that will help you function better at a minimal cost, as opposed to being tied to that big pharma chain, I, I think that's an excellent place to start. 
Yeah, that that's some some good advice there. Um, definitely would agree with you on that. And you know, I think I think it really starts off with the planning aspect of it, and and not again. I'm going to go back to the fear thing. Not allowing fear to drive you, but making sure that you have a plan to work from. Is that something that y'all do, or have you been? You, you feel like you've been doing it for so long, you just know, you know, the next steps that are that are in place for you and your family. Yeah, we've been at this so long that um, while there's always variables, we do have a general plan of action for us because we have the place in the country. Um, working towards various aspects, the being more self-reliant, like we added solar, solar system. We've got solar electric, solar, hot water, but we also have wood heat. And so we have, you know, the definitely go for the two is one, one is none aspect. So we have three different ways to heat the house. We have different ways to get water, but now it's a matter of, refining what we have and extending more and hopefully reaching out into the community a little bit more and building. Um, we have a group of local folks that we've been working with to try and get others up to speed. So I think there's a natural progression as you go, once you get your things in order, okay, start working more with others. And I think that's a good position to be into as opposed to operating out of fear, because if you've got a strong community, that's good through thick and thin, you know, when things are calm, you know, you help each other out when they're not well, hopefully help each other out a little more. Yeah. You, you mentioned, you know, the different power sources that you're, you're looking at. There is a, a thread right now in our email group about the price increases that people are seeing with, with just electricity and, and heating and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. The, the numbers are through the roof. Is that what you're experiencing as well? Well, because we uh, we're you know in a better position than most, we we did a bulk pro- we do our bulk propane purchase. If you do a bulk pro- propane purchase, because we're not natural gas, and so we catch that in summer when the the rates are lower. So that and then you can either well with our propane provider you can either spread your payments out throughout the year or just do a lump sum payment but you you get a contracted rate so that you skip the spikes during the heating season and as long as we've got sun and can keep the panels clear uh, that covers a lot of our electricity so that and we of course try to aim our loads towards when we have the most sun so we try to do our highest loads then it is a more mindful way of living to try and take advantage of the resources that we have. And we don't always do it because we are still grid connected, uh, which is awfully handy. I, I, I do, I do like the grid. I just don't always <laughs> depend on the grid. Um, but like last January, we had sort of icy, windy, blizzardy conditions one night the temps had been warm above freezing and then it transitioned over the course of one night. And during that night, it coated our solar panels and a couple inches of stuck on snowed on iced on impervious to light coating that I could not remove. We went out and we scraped the panels the next day. It was not going anywhere. And then the temperatures dropped to below zero for the next two weeks. 
So that froze and it froze on hard. I mean, there was no way that we could get our panels clear. And of course, the armchair quarterbacks, I posted about this when we were finally able to get the panels clear. It got into the teens. That was all that we needed. We, I mean, because it had just been stuck below zero. We live in Wisconsin. But I posted clearing the panels when they finally melted. And I said, this is why I don't like depending on solar entirely. Because we've been two weeks where we could not get power. And they're like, well, you're just lazy. You should have got out there and cleaned it right away. Oh, you should have put a tarp over them. Yeah, because tarps work really good in blizzard level winds. Right. <laughs> oh, you can just run your solar system in reverse and run the heat through the panels. Uh, doesn't work that way. <laughs> and, you know, like I just, I was, there were over a thousand comments on that post. And most of them with people were telling me, well, you're just not using solar right. And well, I'd share some profanities here, but that's that's a family show. <laughs> I have lived with solar. I worked for a solar installer for years before I came home to be you know, full-time with my family. We've had a solar water heating system on our previous home and on this home for over 20 years now. We've had solar electric for three years running now. We've had passive solar. This house has passive solar for heat. And we've had that for 16 years now. I am fully aware of what solar can and cannot do in a Northern environment. And there are ways to work around it. But if, for instance, there are solar, there are heating elements that you can get installed in your panels, will tremendously increase the cost and they run off electricity. So if you're out of electricity, you're not going to thought about. <laughs> so it's just... It's good to start looking into things before you need them and to understand their limitations. Because yes, when things do happen, that's not the time to be looking at, oh my gosh. So, um, so I kind of got off track there, but yeah, it's, it's good to have redundancy. It's good to, but you also have to realize that sometimes you're just going to have to pay up the extra because that's what's going on right now. And so part of your prep should be having extra cash on hand to do that. I think that's a great story because so many people are like, Hey, we're, you know, we want to get off the grid. We want to do this. And yeah, I mean, if you live in a tropical, you know, situation, then maybe, maybe you're good, but even that there's going to be something hurricanes, hurricanes, Hello. right. That, that you're going to have to deal with. And uh, going back to that, I think that's such a big principle in preparedness, the redundancy, I think it can be taken to the extreme, but I think that you need to be able to. Hey, I'm waiting have- for the portable nukes to come out. <laughs> Did you see that? They've got ones that you can basically fit on a semi-trailer that somebody's working on and make it more available. I have not seen that one. Oh, yeah. When we get the big bunker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen that one. I've not when seen I win the one. lottery, right? Gosh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, um, you mentioned community preparedness just, just for a second. And is there... Do you feel comfortable talking about that in general? Because I think that's such an important piece. Uh, I've talked about it before where when I first got into preparedness, it was all about, you know, get ready to, to, you know, circle the wagons when the poop hits the fan and no, you know, blackout curtains and you just, you know, you wait out the, the, the golden horde and all that kind of stuff. And then you appear, you know, for the new world. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I have come to the conclusion throughout the years that community preparedness is one of the most important things that you can do. And you kind of mentioned that, uh, that you, you're kind of focusing on that as well, where you're at. 
Um, do you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about that? Well, we don't, um, I guess we're not super organized, so I'm not going to, it's not going to be an OPSEC issue because <laughs> it's kind of, it's a work in progress. And we had a, a group that, um, looking for skill sets that complement each other. Cause as I mentioned earlier, I've got the food production background and the home remedies, things like that. My husband has worked with disaster planning at a county level because um, he works for a local municipality and has worked in hospitals and a medical college. So he's been on large scale or larger scale disaster pre preparedness. And he's also been on statewide groups, things like this. So he's got that perspective, what those folks are doing. We have some folks in the group who have military training. So they're dealing with um, small group training. You know, should we need to work together in a, a defensive or offensive situation? How you do that? Um, so we've actually got a training. Well, we had a postpone because we had an ice storm, but there's training in the works. So just simple things, skill sets that complement each other. We had someone lined up as a medic who has, um, he's actually a surgeon. However, he has upon further consideration decided if things do any poop hits the fan, so to speak, he will probably relocate or attempt to relocate to another area. So to be closer to the bulk of his family, because he's, he ended up, you know, life has just taken him in other directions. He used to live and have his family members in this area. And now they're not. So um, we're actually actively looking for someone with more medical training to kind of fill that gap because my husband has first responder training and our military folks do have some kind of basic first responder training. And of course I have more chronic care things and different things that I've used. I'm very handy with super glue for um, wounds, uh, wound care. <laughs> I hardly ever get any hair in them. And, and, <laughs> but, um, it would be nice to have someone with uh, a little more advanced skill in that area. Um, we have, we have texts up the wazoo, but it's not the same as actually have having done it. And that's another big thing. Having done it, you can have access to the internet, watch all the YouTube videos, read all the books until you've done something not quite the same. So the more time you can get practicing skills that you hope to be able to use uh, in the future, use them now first, if at all possible. And so we're just looking at uh, making people in the group aware of what's going on, you know, situational awareness. Are you, do you know that this is going on? That's going on in the world. Um, looking at some simple skill stuff the small arms groups looking at food production and talking about like um, my husband and I gave a presentation at an, another group. That's kind of, there's some overlap between members and just saying, okay, if you're preparing, what are you preparing for? And trying to talk through the basics. And we're looking at potentially doing some more of that in the community this year, because you can't, you can't do everything. And one of the things I said to people who are looking at preparedness, the, the whole, I'm coming to your place. We've said, don't do that unless you can bring resources of your own, because we've done the math. 
we cannot support everyone who might show up unless they bring their own resources with, because it just, you know, you know, the numbers and I'm betting a number of your listeners do. You can all to try to stockpile enough food for a family of four for a year is one thing. If you double that, triple that, well, you burn through your supplies awfully fast. You actually went went down a route that I didn't know you were going to go um, with the community preparedness because you're actually talking about like a mutual assistance group where you're actually bringing in people with specific st- skills. I thought you might be looking at more just like uh, getting to know your local. You, know, you talk about getting to know your the local farmers and stuff like that. Thought maybe you would go that route with with the community that way. So oh, we, yeah, I mean we know the neighbors too, but. Um, for better or worse, a lot of the folks in our neighborhood are older, you know, we're in a farming community and the farmers are aging out. So unfortunately, though we're friends and we're cordial, if things get really bad, it's not going to be really good. I think for a lot of our neighbors and I just, well, we and I'm sure there's, dis- they're selling their property and stuff like that at some point, right? Are yeah. They- I would think within the next five to 10 years, we'll probably be changing out neighbors in a number of spots. Um, so that makes it difficult. And, and I know that we've had some discussions like, well, if things get really bad, frankly, I don't want to live through it because I'm just not up to that anymore. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard that from younger people as well. You know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be in a world where, you know, you don't have well, the suicide internet. rates were way up last year. It is, That's we have a mental health crisis going on. So when you're finding these people, are you just throwing out a uh, feelers? Are you approaching people one-on-one? Uh, oh, I walk up to random people on the street and say, hey. <laughs> hey do you have any skills? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I did end up having a conversation with the UPS guy <laughs> who happened to notice some of the deliveries coming to the house. And he does have quite an interesting skill set. So. <laughs> But yep. um, sometimes it's a serendipity, you might say, where you just end up meeting someone and strike up a conversation uh, because he was asking about our solar and different things. And so, um, so yeah, we've now become friends with Brian and he's part of that group. And anyway, but typically it's more friend of a friend. Um, are you interested in, because a lot of people still aren't convinced that things are going to get um bad bad interesting <laughs> yeah. interesting yeah uh because there's a cognitive dissonance factor we have been taking care of things that have been quiet for so long that the folks who are around now most of them you know if you were born in 1900 holy smokes the things that you went through you know with two world wars and everything else in the great depression. And, and now we've been in, you know, calm seas for the most part. Sure. Those, those wars overseas somewhere else, but not here. And it really hasn't impacted most people. Unless of course you were someone who was hurt or injured or lost a loved one or had your loved one hurt or injured in those conflicts. But for most folks, that's, that's so far away. I mean, I've got to get my kids to soccer practice. I've got this thing going on. We're going to catch the game on the weekend. I just don't have time for that. There's, there's a lot of that. So you can't just launch into it randomly with people. I mean, you could, but you might get locked up. And 
So usually it's a, a friend of a friend or something just coming up where you end up striking up a conversation with someone and then it builds. So pretty much like any interest. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I guess you have to be kind of a, of a people person to be able to you know, strike up conversations and, and be very uh, strategic of how you bring things up. So, Well, you know, I think anybody who's writing on the internet now has to so I have some of that skill, at least to anybody who works in self-reliance or preparedness, because you're always trying to think of, well, how can I phrase things so that I won't offend social media or Google or whatever and get my site banned? You know, like I just, I never really expected to be talking in code on social media. And yet we know that there are certain topics that are taboo, that are a violation of guidelines. And it's like, but, but it was a sandwich. Why are you banning my sandwich face? Yeah, like, you yeah. know? Come on. Nope. It's just the thought police are strong. Yep. No, it's it's really nuts out there. Well, let's let's transition a little bit to homesteading and homesteading questions because uh, I think a lot of people are interested in that. Can you share with us your homesteading journey? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up on a farm. So I have that background of raising animals and raising big garden and preserving and canning. And then I went off to college and I was going to save the world. Silly me. I had that big dream, but um, I got my undergraduate degree in math and physics and then got my graduate work in mechanical engineering with an emphasis in renewable energy and was in the city. Well, not really huge cities. It's Wisconsin, not the East coast or West coast, (laughs) but it was big cities for me being as I came from a town of 315 people. So, um, and we didn't even live in town. So then I found, met my husband at college and we settled down to our little house in the suburbs and we were there for nine years and both our boys were born and in our place in the suburbs. Well, yeah, we kind of stuck out like a sore thumb because we did have dwarf fruit trees stuffed all over the place and grapevines and raspberries and blueberries and, and garden planting beds. And, and sometimes things were not as immaculately groomed as our neighbors who of course had lawn services and things like this. We were a little bit more middle, upper, upper middle type of thing. And folks, some of our neighbors were awfully uptight. The guy on the South side used to wash his rocks when they grew moss. I am not joking. Um, Yeah. He had a picnic table set up. And he and his wife were carefully removing the rocks from the rock wall, taking them to the picnic table and washing them down with a garden hose and scrubbing them. Wow. So they didn't appreciate our, our small scale homesteading efforts. Ain't got nothing but weeds over there. <laughs> like, but they're tasty weeds. It's good. It's okay. So as the boys, after we had our boys, we started talking about more that we really wanted to be out in the country more where we could have more land. So we had a half acre and we crammed everything we could in there. So it it actually did produce quite a bit of food, which was nice. But yeah, we were definitely not in the right neighborhood <laughs> or as far as our neighbors were concerned. Some folks were really nice. We still got a few friends from there, but overall, not a best fit. So we started looking for property out in the country. And as I'm sure many people have run into, holy smokes, even about then sticker shock on the land prices. And then we looked at, you know, trying to get an older farmhouse and fix it up. But yes, 
we are um, very OCD on some details. And so we really had in mind, we wanted something that could accommodate in-laws if needed. So certain amount of handicap accessibility. And because my mom was using a walker at that point in time. And, you know, of course, a lot of the old farmhouses, it's multi-level you know, upstairs, downstairs, or you got that big flight of stairs to get up into the front door. And that just wouldn't work for her. So we finally found this place, this land, and we've got 35 acres in the country. Now, the sign for it was actually tipped over in the ditch. But I spotted it. So I'm like, wait, wait, was that a for sale sign? <laughs> and that's probably why it hadn't sold sooner. And so it was about a half an hour commute for my husband. And and so we started inquiring and it, it was our price range. So it was kind of at the max range we, he wanted to be driving daily, but we got this place and that was, we bought in 2004 and our builder said, well, we could be have us in by Christmas. So we kind of thought it might be that Christmas, but it ended up being the following year, Ugh. lots of delays. <laughs> um, but we got this place and it's, as I mentioned, we've got, passive and active solar we've got it's handicapped accessible so we built the house design with a homesteading lifestyle more self-reliant self-reliant lifestyle in mind there's a small attached greenhouse there's a dedicated root cellar there's a dedicated canning pantry now over the years we've worked and we've kind of expanded some of the storage areas a little bit more things like this but overall it was set up to accommodate uh, extended family so hopefully, initially we thought it would be our in-laws, but that hasn't worked out. So now we're hoping as the boys have come of age that they'll find the right young woman who's as crazy as we are. And, and so we'll have um, multiple generations in the same household. And as we've been growing here, it's an interesting perspective because when we moved here, this was the part of the land that we built in was an abandoned pasture. So there was nothing here except grass. And there's an article on the website. It's our homestead then and now. And it's a picture tour of how it's changed over the years. So there was nothing but grass here. But we came and we put in the house. And now we have an outbuilding that's a combination coop and garden shed. And that's got a 10 by 20 greenhouse attached to it. And we've got north gardens south gardens we've got two different orchards we've got a nuttery so each year it's been one step in the direction of becoming more self-reliant it's not a snap your fingers and you're done we're just looking at okay now we've got this we started for instance a house and food storage space in the house well then we put in the first garden and then another garden and then the different trees and we've planted a windbreak all around because holy smokes do we get the winds out here i it's we're only about 20 minutes from our old home but the wind wind here compared to where we used to be wow so each year we expand and grow what we're taking on and another project like i said we're looking at the new coop space but it's it's incremental and Again, working together, Tom, common goals. And so how much, how can we provide better for ourselves? And hopefully, you know, the extended family as the family grows again. So that makes a lot, you said a lot of things make a lot of sense. 
Um, I think people, sometimes they think of homesteading and you've like, you got to have the homesteading ready to go. You got to be like, you know, hundred no, percent. There self. was nothing here. <laughs> nothing. Oh, now we have two ponds too. We dug one, one year and dug, dug a second one another year. So, so that's another water source. And, and then, um, in different habitat because our place has become an oasis for the local wildlife, which usually isn't a problem every once in a while. Yeah. Something comes in looking for a free meal that we really prefer. It didn't, but our neighbor stopped by, uh, I think he turned 90 this year and he heard birds singing in our yard. And he said, I haven't heard that bird in probably 30 years. Wow. So it's not just us. It's also refuge for others too. It, it's, we're building a sanctuary and hopefully, yeah, it'll, it'll be not just us and all the various critters, but hopefully extended family and if need be friends and yeah, one thing at a time. Well, in the multi-generational thing, I think, you know, that's the way people used to live. Yeah. Uh, it's, we've got away from that, you know, uh, a lot. And I think by necessity, a lot of people are starting to do that again and they're trying to fit their multi-generational families in to regular homes and you know they gotta they gotta deal with it whereas you know you've been planning for it i think that's a a really smart thing uh to do so let me let me ask you this question here many people in preparedness look at homesteading as the be-all end-all to preparedness right so you'll hear things like i'm living at my bug out location or i'm away from danger since i'm in the country or in a rural setting what, what is your response to this? There is no way. <laughs> it's just like with pollution. And when I was back in engineering school, one of the running jokes, and this has been a while, this has been decades. One of the running jokes was, you know, the solution to pollution is dilution. <laughs> well, now they found pollutants, industrial pollutants in the ice caps and on Antarctica and the Arctic. And, you know, there is no way. Um, we're just poisoning ourselves more slowly with the, when it comes to pollution and in the country, it might just take a while for bad things to ripple out to us. But you know, if the cities are hit with something and you know, there's the various theories for how much food and resources are in a city, but um, typically it's agreed it's maybe three days and basically not a lot of time. And we've seen this, when places have gotten hit with hurricanes or other events that, yeah, store shelves empty, gas stations empty. There aren't a lot of resources on hand. So if things got truly horrible, there people would leave the cities and they would come on foot. And it would take them longer if you're farther out, but they would find you. There, There is no way. So just... It's not that simple. Um, I would love, you know, fondest dreams and all that to influence society as a whole to take more personal responsibility. But alas, I don't think that's going to happen. But hey, we can keep trying, right? Yep. Uh, But there really is no way. You might be better off. You might take a little longer for the chaos to reach you. But yeah, it's not safe. The world isn't safe. The world is a dangerous place. But trick is maybe you got to be a little more dangerous in the world or a little more prepared than the rest of the world and just make the best of it. Are there any things that um, being out in in a homestead or being out in the country that you have found 
it's a little bit harder to deal with than if you were in the city. And of course, I mean, we could take the things out like, uh, you know, the convenience of running to the grocery store really quickly if you need needed to. Um, but are there, are there other things that you have like, wow, I didn't think about this being out in a, in a, the rural setting compared to being in a city. Given that I grew up in the country, it's kind of, you know, coming home to the mothership for me. So not too much. And even where my husband grew up, he wasn't country country, but he was in, he is, his parents' home was down a, a dead end road that when the snow got in, yeah, they just weren't getting out for a while. Um, so there's a certain amount of, well, we're used to dealing with the isolation and planning ahead. So that isn't really a huge thing. I mean, I can't. What, what about medical emergencies? Yeah, that's what the super glue's for. <laughs> um, we, as mentioned, we do have a little, as some basic training. Um, thankfully, we have never had a really severe injury. And of course, planning and preparedness can do a lot to, in most cases, avoid that. So um, we have basic medical training and pretty well stocked first aid kits. The township has first responders on hand, um, so they have more training than we do. So they would probably be able to arrive within 10 to 15 minutes Um you know, with so, so you're was, not so far out that you can't we're get we're only half an hour out. Yeah, okay, okay. So barring yeah, barring I, I, something like I think that. that's a good a good amount, right? I mean, there's some people that would suggest you need to be hours away from uh from yeah, if you're hours I have a friend who lives off grid in Tennessee and she's actually off grid, she's up on a free flipping mountaintop and <laughs> every time she needs something it's an hour drive anywhere and she spends so much time on the road because yeah you know she's not disconnect she's not grid connected to the world but to take care of daily stuff like her she's got a younger daughter and who's still in dance classes and things like that so Anytime they want to be involved in anything, it's drive, 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 drive some more. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, I guess you could certainly people do, but I think for most of us, yeah, there's some happy medium of being within a reasonable driving distance. That, 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 that makes sense. Definitely. Is it too late? For someone who wants to move out to a homestead to to do it, do you think in the day and age that we live in? Well, it's kind of like the old saying that the best time to plant a tree was probably 20 years ago. Second best time is now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can't tra time travel. You can't go back in time. But ideally, is it would it have been better to do it sooner? Sure. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can't fix what already and done you can just go forward from where you are now and i do think that with the opportunities that have opened up with telecommuting there's actually a growth area there because a lot of jobs are a lot more flexible than they used to be so you can maybe if you don't want to go full off grid in the country you can still move to a more rural setting and get away from some of that big city craziness 
uh, and still have more options, more opportunities, more more room in that backyard to put in a garden in, without going full tilt off grid. Like um, we had some friends who had their son and his family move up here from Texas. Yeah. Who'd have thought somebody would ever leave Texas for Wisconsin, <laughs> but they wanted to be closer to other family. So they moved up to Door County and he works, he uh, telecommutes. He's, he's still working for the same company, but he's able to work online. So I think there are opportunities that weren't available even two years ago because of things, how things have shifted during the lockdown and pandemic and so forth. So ideally would it have been done sooner? Sure. But it's never too late. You just got to work with what you got. Yeah. And I think, like you said, there's some opportunities now that wouldn't have been there before. I know I have friends that have moved out to the country that can, that have done just exactly what you're saying. And a lot of the times it was, you know, you're giving up your salary in the city to be able to move out to the, to the, to a homestead or out into the country, to a rural setting. But now you don't have to do that, right? Because you, you can telecommute and there are opportunities. You just got to find the right, the right opportunity and, um, and, and make it happen. And country companies are desperate for people who actually want to work. <laughs> I mean, I know in our area, there are help help wanted signs everywhere, and yeah, they they need people. Yeah, I think that's that's a big deal. We might even talk a little bit about that here in a minute. So, if we were going to give the top five things that uh, you know someone wanting to move to a homestead should consider before the before they do it, what are the top five things that they should consider? Uh, what are some or lessons learned that you can share with us? Well, I think the first thing is really, what do you want out of your life? Because if you still want all the amenities of the big city, but you think you're going to get those somehow magically on a homestead. And I've seen this with people talking, oh yeah, I'll still be able to do X, Y, Z. Well, not really. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, and if you want the convenience of the drive-through or the five minutes away for grocery or being able to shop at whatever store daily or a couple times a week, it's not going to be very convenient anymore. Um, because yeah, if you're moving out to the country, especially, but even if you're homesteading in the suburbs, it's going to shift things. It's going to change things. Where are your priorities? If you want to be in the thick, in the middle of things and you've got kids who are very active in sports or something, then you're going to need to be prepared for lots of time on the road and also balancing your life differently. If you're looking into the homesteading, it's, it's not that, you know, the whistling da 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 and, and just the sun rises and things magically happen. It's work. So you're not only going to likely have to balance your day job that brings in your income, your other responsibilities like family events, um, sporting or whatever, and just your normal household duties, you're going to need to spend time in that garden. You're going to need to spend time at the, the animal care. And something like chickens is pretty darn minimal. But if you want to get into any of the bigger animals, yeah, they, they require more work. And they require the housing. And they require food. Uh, critters want to eat daily, just <laughs> like us. So that's going to be another expense. So 
If you think, oh, I'm going to raise my own eggs because eggs are so, are chicken, so I can have eggs because eggs are so expensive in the store. Well, you really might not be spending it less money because, well, your chickens, yeah, they, they still want to eat. And if you're purchasing all your food and can you raise, conceivably raise the food for the animals on the homestead? Yes, but that's more time and more labor. And to get a fully balanced food ration, um, like if you're raising the big broiler birds, those are what I refer to as high octane birds. They need a very rich fuel mix, very rich food mix to help them mature efficiently and not run into problems with their bone growth and stability because those poor birds, well, they're not genetically engineered, but they have been hybridized to the point where if they don't get the right food mix, they'll keel over a heart attack. Poor mm. things. They just like drop dead in the run and like, Oh, my chicken died. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot to learn. You have to be committed to learning. You have to be committed to admitting your mistakes and growing from them as opposed to, well, at least I hope you are because some folks, alas, keep making the same mistakes over and over again. So the ability to learn from your mistakes is really an important skill as a homesteader because otherwise, yeah, you, you better keep your day job and things are going to get expensive. So if you're not willing to make mistakes and to learn from those mistakes, you shouldn't get into it because things are going to happen. You're not going to get everything right the first time. Um, so what you want to do, you know, are you do, what reasons are you doing it for the lifestyle and what lifestyle do you want and learning from your mistakes? And do you have your someone, your significant others in your life? You know, are you planning to do this alone or do you have other significant others in your life? Are they on board with this? Because if you think you want to be a homesteader, but your spouse or partner isn't on board with it, well, yeah, you better work through that before you move out to the homestead because it's going to get ugly if you one, one person or the other forces the move and the other is being dragged along. That's just like anything in a relationship. You, if it's forced, it's not going to go smoothly. It's not going to go well. So those are some big things and don't try to do everything at once. Good heavens. Um, as I've been mentioning with the, the, our homestead, first it was the house, then it was the gardens, then additional plantings, orchards, then ponds, and then outbuildings and greenhouse step by step by step. Otherwise, if you try to do it all at once, other than it's just going to be crazy expensive, it's also going to be overwhelming. So, and finally, talk to people who have been there, get to know your neighbors, get, reach out to the online community. Folks who have been through it are generally more than happy to share knowledge. And that's a great way to, you know, learn from other people's mistakes before you make your own new set of mistakes and contribute to the general knowledge pool. Good advice. Good advice. I, I know that in our emo group, we have people that are homesteading and people who have recently moved out and there's always really good advice. So I definitely reaching out to people that are doing it, who have, who have done it. 
if you do it from this romanticized idea of I'm going to go out and I have this beautiful place out in the country and, you know, I come home from work or I want to be able to go and drink my, you know, down here in Texas, you know, we got our sweet tea and I'm going to go out to the porch and, yeah, and just watch, back, put your feet up, watch the sun, you know, go down. Yeah. That, that's not, that's not going to happen. You can do that. Maybe if you hire staff, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can do that, but you're not going to have a homestead where it's all yeah, yeah. self-sufficient yeah. or you be more self-reliant, I guess. Yep. All right. So um, as we get to the end of our, our, our interview, um, one of the most more important questions, I, I guess, um, you know, you're, you're a smart woman. You're paying attention to all the things that are out there. Um, you got advanced degrees and all that good stuff, right? As, as we move into 2022, what are you preparing for? What advice would you give to those who are prepping? Uh, I think the supply chain stuff is going to continue. I don't know how much worse it's going to get, you know, the news such as it is that we have access to is remarkably limited at the same time it's global, which makes no sense. But as we discussed a little bit earlier, that the real information is being censored heavily. So, and what do you believe? Well, I saw this here. I saw that there, unless you can get firsthand accounts from somebody who's actually there. Yeah. What to trust? Good question. But you can see global trends, serious supply chain issues, likely to continue indefinitely. Food, there's problems with weather damage, um, be it the flooding, be it the cold, be it the whatever. So food, food and supply chain disruptions increase food prices. We're likely to see increased oil and gas prices. Um, because, well, current policies just seem designed to make that happen. So if you, anything you can do to reduce your load, that's generally the first time place that I start like weather stripping new windows, that kind of thing, because that will serve you in warm weather or cold weather. Uh, generally it makes sense to reduce your load before you look at replacing it with solar or something like that, because, yeah, it just, if the load's not there, then you don't have to worry about where am I going to get the power for it? Where am I going to get the gas for it? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, unrest, I think situational awareness is going to be, continue to be very important because, well, a lot of areas that were safe to walk through, frankly, aren't. As, as pressure stress continues to build, People are going to do things and make choices that may endanger others around them. Um, we went into an area of town where a thrift store is. Um, I'm not going to get into details, but we've been there. I don't know. I've been there dozens of times because it's just I, I drop stuff off. I hunt for stuff that we can use. If I can find, pick something up, used as opposed to new, so much the better, you know. Mm. But um, somehow, Apparently the, the door on our vehicle didn't lock properly and we have the new keyless, uh, you know, the fob, it doesn't actually need a key to turn on. So we came out and our vehicle was opened up and it's like, wait a minute, you know, we thought we'd lock that and nothing was taken. Well, I don't really keep much of anything in value in the vehicle anyway, but it was just really disconcerting because 
I've been going there for years, but I'm not probably not going to go back to that area anytime soon because yeah, um, we live near Green Bay. We're 30 minutes out of Green Bay. There's some smaller towns that are closer, but that's the biggest metropolitan area with several hundred thousand. And one night last month, they had seven shootings in one night. Green Bay has an image of small town Americana, but seven shootings in one night. Hello. So yeah, be aware of your surroundings. Things are building. Um, don't know exactly what wind's going to come of it, but folks are getting anxious at stress levels building. Things are going to happen. So those are some of the biggest things. Anything you can do, if there's purchases that something you hope to get within the next year, probably better to get it sooner rather than later, because I do think prices are just going to continue to skyrocket. I think that inflationary trend is definitely going to continue. Work, you know, within your community, make your connections. If you can help build local sources for things, um, you know, if you've got people with got, who've got skills or the ability to produce things, help partner with local growers. Amazon doesn't give a dang if you order from them, but those mom and shop shops, they will do their best to help you if you help them. We've actually been talking to a gentleman who's the manager at the local feed store, and he's trying to work with getting more local products in because the supply chain stuff is going to continue, you know, it's going to get harder and harder to get goods from abroad. So the more local things, locally produced things that we can create, the better off we'll all be. Yes, the prices are initially going to be higher and may stay higher, but you're building resilience within your community. And I think that's really what we need to look for. How can we make ourselves more resilient and our communities more resilient moving forward? So, and, and health, of course, getting back to that. Um, always it's, it's lousy and turn off the mainstream TV. Good Lord. Um, if they haven't already stop watching that crap, it's poison. Um, look for alternative news sources like your podcast and people who actually tell the truth instead of propaganda BS. Yeah. So, so that's where I'm going. That's good. That's good. (laughs) Well, listen, we've talked about a lot of good stuff. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to to spend with us and just sharing uh, a little bit about, you know, your ideas in women and preparedness, and then also uh, your journey in homesteading and and giving the advice that way. If anybody is listening, uh, I know that I've had you on before, but if anybody is, uh, is listening that didn't listen to that, that episode, how could people connect with you now? Yeah, the easiest way is just pop on over to the website, commonsensehome.com. And right there on the homepage, Right near the top of the home stage, there's a picture of my smiling face. And right below that, there's a subscribe box. And I put out a weekly newsletter. And sometimes I send some special offers during the week and things too. But the weekly newsletter is a chance to kind of catch up people with what's going on here, different projects we're working on, mindset, um, you know, kind of like talking with a friend. At least that's my goal. And then we also include seasonal links to seasonal articles, um, different topics that are on the site so that they can go for additional information. And that's, that's the easiest way because we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram, we sort of are on Twitter. 
And August does have a group. There's a common sense home group in MeWe and one in Gab. But the mail list is the email list is the most reliable out of everything. Because, yeah, censors craziness. You know, we're in 2022, such as life. Right. And that's what you can control. You know, exactly. they, can't, yeah, they can't, they can control all the other, you know, social medias and stuff. But when you're on the email list, yep. uh, they, you know, you can, you can really get that to people. Yep. At least so far. <laughs> at, at least so far. Right? Knock on wood. <laughs> and then, and then there, we've got to have some redundancies built in, yep. uh, even on that. Well, Lori, thanks so much for hanging out with us. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, we will have you on again really, really soon. All right. Thanks, Todd. Always good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. God bless. Yep. You too. All right. Thanks again, Lori, for taking the time to hang out with us and share all your knowledge and all the information that you had to share. Guys, I'm going to encourage you to go check out commonsensehome.com and all the great articles that she posts over there. She's just a wealth of knowledge and uh, not only for the homesteading side of it, uh, for women, but also just the preparedness as well. And so uh, she's got an, if you are on social media, if you are on Facebook, then uh, you want to connect with her over there as well. Uh, she's, she's active there. All right, guys. So that is it for episode 726. Don't forget to take uh, a look at the show notes because I'm going to drop uh, links in there and then links that Lori has shared with me that will also be valuable to you to go check out. Don't forget, if you want to subscribe to the show and you have not done that, make sure that you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app, whatever that might be. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we link to 8 to 12 articles every single day. The very best preparedness, survival, homesteading, and other self-reliant articles on the web. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.